Ladies and gentlemen, Thunder is on the air. And for the next two hours, we invite you to join us as the superstars of WCW take the spotlight on the Superstation TBS. And you are looking live at the Riverside Centroplex. We are in the heart of Cajun country. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the land of crawfish and the Bayou Swamps, where tonight you will see the total package with Elizabeth, as well as Rey Mysterio Jr., Buff Bagwell, the Revolution's Perry Saturn, and many more as we count down the days to the October WCW pay-per-view tradition that is Halloween Havoc. It's now just 10 days away from the Strip in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And hello once again, everyone. This is your TBS primetime broadcast team. Mike Tenay, joined by not only wrestling's living legend, Larry Zabisco, but also, and yes, this is a shocker, <laughs> joining us this week here on Thunder in the Broadcast booth, Big Sexy Kevin Nash. And Kevin, I don't understand this. You're retired. You're retired from professional wrestling. What are you doing here? Well, see, you know, there's been a lot of people that said I was a horrible booker, but I've actually booked myself in the best angle of all time. I'm retired. And since they're paying me big money, they decided that they would put me on the broadcast team to try to recoup some of those funds. And how about your outsider's partner, Scott Hall, conspicuous by his absence? He was supposed to be here, but uh, I haven't seen him since he left the two ladies for sushi on Monday night. So uh, Scott's missing in action as we speak. Living legend. Your comments on our newest broadcast colleague, Kevin Nash. Well, now he's not an everyday colleague here. I mean, are you sure? No, he's There's big a lot enough. of changes going on in WCW. I, I just want Kevin to know that uh, he's okay. Welcome here, and I, uh, I gave his keys to Moses. Going to be a very interesting Thunder. Larry Zabisco, Mike Tenay, and believe it or not, Kevin Nash here to call the action. All the stars of WCW are here. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is a Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra. I'm intern Alex. All by myself, Patrick has the week off. So the COVID-19 outbreak, I hope you are staying safe. I hope your family is feeling well as we get through this time together. That's obviously why we haven't gotten together in a while to record a podcast because Patrick and myself have jobs that are deemed essential. Our real jobs, we are deemed essential personnel. And so we don't have a lot of time, especially these last few weeks to get together and record a podcast. So I did want to just go ahead and record something. Because it's been a while. I miss you. I miss all 100 or so of you that tune in and listen to these stupid podcasts that we do on a week-to-week basis about old wrestling. So for this Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra, I decided to pick a weird show because we're about to head into a very, very weird WrestleMania that was taped in front of nobody. An empty arena, WrestleMania, as Vince McMahon and the WWE decided, ah, you know, we're not going to postpone it. Let's just go ahead with it right now. Do it. And so they did, and it's taped, and it's going to air, and it's going to be really, really weird. You've already seen people like Roman Reigns had to pull out of the card because of the health crisis, and then the people that did participate have to go home and quarantine for two weeks. So after WrestleMania, there's going to be... A bit of a lull in the live programming. It's all going to be taped for a little while, is my understanding. So since we're going into a weird WrestleMania, I decided to pick a weird episode of Thunder. This is the October 14th, 1999 episode of WCW Thunder. It pairs well with our last review 
Halloween Havoc 1999 because this is the last thunder before Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara took over as lead creative. So you have Nash, who was serving in a role as Booker, decided, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck Thunder. I am going to go ahead, sit on commentary. I'm going to book a completely ridiculous show, and I'm just going to make this company look like the fools that they are. Now, we can sit here and debate back and forth all day about who was the better booker. Was it Nash or was it Vince Russo? But I think you're really comparing bad bookers to bad bookers, so really doesn't matter. But Nash decided to sit in on commentary on thunder so you already take a bad show and then you add a bad commentary track to it you're in for a good time it's october 14th 1999 we're in baton rouge louisiana you get huge pyro going off on the thunder set this company's still paying for pyro wcw would never stop paying for pyro i mean even on the final nitro as i recall there was pyro so this was not an expense that turner and time warner was uh, ever going to get rid of. Always going to have plenty of pyro. Mike Tanay is joined with Kevin Nash and Larry Zabisco. Tanay looks so irritated to have Kevin Nash sitting next to him. Nash brags about booking himself into the best angle of all, retirement, and then says he can't find Scott Hall. In fact, I don't think anybody could find Scott Hall in October of 1999. Eventually, he was located, and they did a run-in at Halloween Havoc that, of course, made... No sense. The first match features Buddy Lee Parker coming out to a terrible theme song. I don't think it's a dub either. It's just a WCW awful theme song. Mike Tanay mentions being confused about the main event at Halloween Havoc. Everybody is confused about Halloween Havoc. And oh, the foreshadowing here. I mean, Tanay had no idea just how confused you were going to be with the actual main event of Halloween Havoc. Apparently the main event is Goldberg and Sid, even though there's a WCW title match between Sting and Hogan. So I guess Tanay is confused more about the Sid and Goldberg match because they had a no-touching stipulation, which Goldberg shattered immediately by spearing Sid. So Tanay was confused as to whether this match was still happening. Buddy Lee Parker is taking on Jim Duggan. Nash says, say what you want about Duggan, he always has a way of staying over. Duggan teases using the 2x4 on Sergeant Buddy Lee. But he doesn't. It's one of the least used props in wrestling history, though I did watch WrestleMania 6 over the weekend, and he does use it at WrestleMania 6. So the 2x4 did get used every once in a while. Let's see, this was about nine years after that. So I've seen it used once. <laughs> I'm sure it was used in other editions. It was also used to sell foam 2x4s, just a chunk of foam, because there were some in the crowd at WrestleMania 6, by the way. Parker and Duggan just exchange strikes and brawl around the ring. What do you expect from a Jim Duggan match? Three-point stance, elbow, and then the biggest moment of the night in Nash's world happens when Tanay calls the old glory knee drop gets the win for Jim Duggan, which is just a knee drop. And Nash just shits all over Mike Tanay for calling it the old glory knee drop, saying that he made it up. He couldn't possibly have called it that, and then Tanay has to explain that, yes, Jim Duggan likes the American flag and calls this the old glory knee drop. There's the old glory knee drop for the cover. Gets two. Got it. Mike, how much of this stuff do you make up on the fly? It's 
like old glory needs around this kind of cat. Is that like legitimate? Is that like documented or do you make this stuff up on the fly? Well, that's the nickname from Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Of course, who always brings out old glory, the flag along with the two by four. So it would be only proper that he would name his finishing move that knee drop old glory. Renee says as they go to break, the stars of WCW are out tonight. That was a lie. Al Green comes to the ring next. Nash mentions that he was his second ever tag team partner. Al Green, who would be used as the dog, an actual human dog, which is kind of relevant with the popularity of Tiger King, I guess. He is out for a match next on Thunder, yes. So we go from Buddy Lee Parker in a match to Al Green. Nash sings Reverend Al Green as the other Al Green walks out. You would be quite familiar with Mr. Al Green. Well, the only thing is, he should have came out to I'm so no, no, wait a minute, no, no, that's the Reverend Al Green. Oh, this, this is, is a wrestler, wrestler Al Green. Green, yes. He was my original, no, my second tag team partner about 10 years ago. Am I, am I aging myself? I broke in when I was 16. You came with the Reverend Al Green? Yes, I did. There you go, a history lesson <laughs> from Kevin Nash. And I'm not the only one that, that brings up history is in the announce booth. This is also not Big Al who took on Tank Abbott at Super Brawl 2000. Al Green, a very large man is going to take on the number one contender for the cruiserweight belt. It's Lash LaRue here in Louisiana, so you would expect a big pop. Doesn't happen. Nash says of LaRue, he got voted sweetest sideburns, which Tanae then has to explain, and Larry, I think. Those are his initials. LL. The man with the sideburns for initials. Lash hits the whiplash fireman's carry into a driver for the win on Al Green. But this is not the last of Mr. LaRue that we would see tonight. We get a recap from Nitro, the first family assaulting Harlem Heat. The Halloween Havoc match was apparently going to be just Harlem Heat and the first family, but that got changed once Russo arrived. Tanae says the executive committee has come up with a match for next week on Thunder. You get to see the total package taking on Buff Bagwell. So tune in next week, folks. Forget this show. This show sucks. Speaking of Lex Luger, the total package as he's referred to now. He walks out with Liz. Larry, for no reason at all, challenges Michael Jordan to a game of golf before Lex Luger speaks, I guess, because Luger was always billed from Chicago. I don't know what made Larry think of this. I've been watching these one-on-one golf championship matchups, and I challenge Michael Jordan anytime, anyplace, anywhere. You know, Elizabeth... After 13 years in this great sport, I know guys such as myself, Kevin Nash over there, are saying to ourselves, and you have been a star in this business for 13 years, why are we even have to come? to a town like Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Well, I never said that. Well, the package making friends here in Louisiana. I'm just being real. You can go ahead and boo all you want. 
There goes my VIP treatment to Bill's Now, Elizabeth, how many internet emails, cards, letters, I warned you how rude these people would be. Now if you want me to talk, you're gonna shut up! He's just so smug. Because you're looking at a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in this little riggy-dick town to look at a beautiful woman like Elizabeth and a man such as the total package who can walk in any locker room, whether it's a National Football League, Major League Baseball, NBA, and turn heads. I'm not talking about these sawed-off runs in the back who aren't blue-chip athletes, super-athletes like the total package Lex Luger who all want to be a big star but don't have the necessities to do it for 13 years i've been doing it every single major title and you wonder why lex luger is dead and buried you wonder why he's not here anymore because it's your fault rude ignorant wrestling fans such as yourselves isn't that right elizabeth Because you don't appreciate what you're looking at. Sometimes the greatest artists in history aren't appreciated until they're gone. And this right here is the greatest mesomorphic physique in the world today. I'd appreciate him if he was gone. The old glory torture act. Now, Elizabeth, when I tore the tendon off the bone in my bicep, how many cards, letters, phone calls did I get from all these wonderful wrestling fans? I can't think of any. Really seem to have won these people over tonight. When I got injured, I noted a lot of pleasure in the back for the wrestlers, because you know why? Because I've been at the top from day one in this sport, because I have all necessities, and they don't, and they want to get to the top of the ladder by people like me. Now, Elizabeth, where were all the cards and letters from my so-called friends? That Back much airbrush should be against the wall. Or letter? I'm talking. Wow. It's Buff Backbone, he even carries his own mic now, Elizabeth. Wow, you're a big deal now, aren't you? You know what, big man? 
Everybody knows you're the total package. There's no doubt about that. Your physique is one of the best. You're one of the best wrestlers this business has ever seen, and you know that. But when I heard you say in the back that not one person tried to call you, try to get in touch with you, my friend, that's a lie. You're calling me a liar. I'm not. That's what I heard. Wait a second. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is, as I called you, I came by the gym, I've tried to get in touch with you so many times, it just so happens, maybe you're just too busy being the total package that maybe you forgot a few of your friends, if you know what I mean. Aww. And since we're on the subject of being friends, what is going on with you and Sting? I want to know, just like everybody else does. Two guys that I looked up to my whole career, two guys I followed down the road, learned and listened from, has turned their back on the fans, and they've turned their back on me. So let's get to the point. You want a shot at me, big man? Next Thursday, let's get it on. something before you leave this ring you should get down on your hands and knees and thank me for giving you the opportunity to even step in the ring with the total package hey hey we got trouble dogface gremlin rick steiner oh the sneak submarine attack swerve on the part of rick steiner and the total package and now the double team attack on buck bagwell the chairman of World Championship Wrestling, of all people, LaParka comes out to make the save for Buff Bagwell. What's that all about? Well, this is a fact you don't know today. Lex Luger is horrified. He's terrified of skeletons. Luger asks Liz how many internet emails, that's what he thinks emails are called, cards and letters he got while he was out with an injury, but he forgets the injury part of his question, and then he just says the total package is here and he can turn heads in any locker room that he walks into. He blames the fans for making him a bad guy. He says he has a great mesomorphic physique. Nash says he's got a great old glory torture rack. Now he goes back to the question. He remembers finally what the question he was supposed to ask Liz was. Why didn't he get any cards when he tore his bicep? But before Liz can answer, Buff Bagwell walks out to interrupt. Actually, Liz did answer. She said he didn't get any, as I recall. Bagwell puts Luger over, talks about how great he is, and says he did try to get in touch with the total package while he was out with his injury, and he forgot his friends. Then he says, hey man, what's going on with you and Sting? But then... The DFG, the dog-faced gremlin, Rick Steiner runs in to attack Buff Bagwell, and Buff is saved by, of course, his best friend, 
Luchador Laparca. That's right. Who Nash says, it turns out that Buff Bagwell has a friend, Laparca, and that Luger, the explanation here is that Buff Bagwell knows that Luger has a fear of skeletons. He's got quite a few in his closet, but he's got a terrible fear of skeletons, and so that's why Bagwell has recruited Laparca for tonight's tag team main event. Laparca is in a main event with these three other guys for some reason because Nash didn't give a fuck. Tori Wilson highlights everyone wants to bang Tori Wilson and David Flair gets his ass kicked for trying to keep men from hitting on her. Scott and Steve Armstrong are out next. Brad would be getting a match at Havoc and winning. Not so much for Scott and Steve. The first family are out as their opponents. Nash makes fun of Morris's hairstyle and says he flew to Japan to let Bull Nakano do his hair as he had the static electricity look going on here. Tanae then compliments him for his Japanese women's wrestling reference. So he did get one compliment on the evening from Tanae. Morris misses a huge top rope elbow drive to Steve Armstrong. Steve is able to make the tag and Scott makes a comeback for the Armstrongs, but he's quickly stopped by Nobbs. And Morris hits the no laughing matter for the win. Nobbs grabs a microphone. Uh-oh. Who are the fruit booties now? Harlem Heat then run in and chase them away. We get highlights from Nitro again, as most of this show was just recapping Nitro, which is most episodes of Thunder, so really goes without saying, even though I just said it. The filthy animals are feuding with the revolution. That's basically what these highlights were. We come back out to the commentators, and Kevin Nash says he edited the next package for Goldberg and Sid. And Tanae questions his claim. Well, what this turns into is Kevin Nash narrating the entire video between Goldberg and Sid, the highlights of their feud. He narrates it and totally buries it. He is an absolute asshole, and you can listen to it right here. I went into the truck today, sat in front of the IMAX edit machines. I put together an unbelievable package. Uh, it's all self-contained. It's ready to go. Yeah, it's some pictures. What do you mean self-contained? It's got audio and everything with it. I mean, the audio that uh, you, did, you didn't have any audio or anything to back it up? Uh, do we have to narrate this? I mean, you put it together. Bill Goldberg. I'll do it, all right. Bill Goldberg, a gladiator of a man. A man who cannot touch the other man. Does it feel good? We don't know because we haven't touched. I laugh at you. How am I doing so far, Mike? Would you like us to join in at any time? Please. Watch this. And the very short policeman look at the gigantic Goldberg. Oh, big spear. Watch me milk the hard camera here. Watch this. Watch me milk the hard camera. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Milk the hard camera. Yeah, milk the hard camera. Yeah, milk the... I'm sorry. Goldberg, a man on a mission. Goldberg in action against Horace Hogan this past Monday. You see he gets him up into the air, and there's the jackhammer. 
I thought that that's not Goldberg on a mission. Halloween Havoc. Boom, boom, boom. Bill Goldberg, a bald-headed man with a tattoo who has only lost one time to a fiercer warrior, Mr. Kevin Nash. That's pretty good, ain't it? I worked that in there. That's terrific. Will you pass me Kevin's water? It's not uh, water. No, yeah, it certainly isn't water. Gigantic traps and a record. Did, Kevin, did you ever work for NFL Films? Yeah. Bill Goldberg stands in the tundra of Landra Field. Sid. Six foot ten, two hundred, no, three, no, five hundred and ninety-one pounds of menacing steel. The current U.S. champion. Sid Vicious tells the world, Bill Goldberg, if you touch me, there will be no match at Halloween Havoc. Wait a second! There's a spear! Will you please give me this? I'm <laughs> With the help of his ally, Rick Steiner, Van Hammer goes down to defeat at the current Nitro. As the ball-headed man that is not Goldberg is in the back in a striped shirt saying, Powerbomb this Van Hammer man. I forget what's next, but I edited some stuff from the, from the main event in there. Well, there you see with the assist from Rick Steiner, Sid Vicious retains the U.S. title against Van Hammer this past Monday. ball-headed giant of a man who has a record second to none still on and here he comes the people chant his name and once again this champion of that delivers a spear second to none he turns and now he reckons the fact that he cannot touch the agile giant vicious you can't i just said that sid Goldberg ponders the situation, looks from side to side, walks away, gives a wink, and a tackle! What will happen? What does Monday bring us? Well, certainly shades of mystery science theater. Who knows the status of Goldberg and Sid, but you don't want to miss it. The end of it today says, shades of mystery science theater. No mic, no mic. Mystery Science Theater would be much, much better. There was a Hogan booked for this thunder. 
Horace Hogan, now only known as Horace. He went back and forth whether he wanted you to know he was related to Hulk or not. He's facing Brian Adams, who is massive. I mean, he was always a big guy, but he was bulking up here and uh, hitting the black hair dye very, very hard in 1999. Tanae mentions that Malenko and Benoit went to Japan for a New Japan Wrestling show and tied it to the revolution's dissension, a great play on why they were overseas. Too bad none of these people are on the show tonight. But that's how upset that Benoit and Malenko were that they flew and worked for another wrestling promotion just to get away from Perry Saturn. Nash then decides to shit on Goldberg's match against Horace from Nitro because he was like, oh, don't you think Horace did a great job against Goldberg? Horace low blows Adams, which Nash calls the old glory mule kick. Horace actually gets a lot of offense and he even hits a second rope clothesline to Brian Adams. Adams did nothing in this match until he hits a spike pile driver and gets the win. Surprisingly, Mean Gene Okerlund showed up for work tonight and interviews the biggest star of the evening, Lash LaRue. It's very weird that this happens so long after his match. We've seen so many highlights and so much other stuff. Why didn't this happen right after his match? Nash says, who's booking this? Haha, get it? Because he was. LaRue gives a bad promo. Take a listen. Hey, well, let me tell you something right now, Mean Gene. You know, when I first came from the LaRue Bayou and came into WCW, a lot of people didn't take the Cajun seriously. Well, this is the way it goes right here. If there's one thing a Cajun knows how to do, it's add a little spice to the mix and heat things up when they need to be heated up. You know what I'm saying? And that goes for you, Disco Inferno. You're getting a sign from these good folks, Slash. Well, the thing is, you see me, Gene, I got all my Lash lovers out here, and the one thing they want to see me do is in 10 days, we're going to be in Las Vegas, I'm sorry, I mean Las Vegas, for Halloween Havoc, and it's going to be for the Cruiserweight title. And when I walk out of that, I'm walking out of there with the strap. You know, Lash, we know for a fact you can wrestle, but with Disco Inferno being your opponent and being the title holder, can you dance? Can I dance, Mean Gene? If you've not seen the Bourbon Street Blues, you know, give that guy a couple of shots, do those splits, I pop up a little clothesline. I'm talking about, let's say, let bone talk, roll it. I let the good times roll, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Lash LaRue. You are a breath of fresh air in this great industry. And we look forward to your big meeting with the Disco Inferno at Halloween Habit. Last thoughts quickly. Oh, thank you very much, Mean Gene. You'll be seeing a lot more of the 22-year-old Cajun sensation that's sweeping the nation. You know what I mean? LaRue is going to heat things up. Berlin and Brad Armstrong have a highlight reel here. Yes, that's right. Berlin and Brad Armstrong are given highlights of their feud where they cost each other matches. Prince Iakea is out next. Before he was the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, he's taking on Berlin. Nash goes into shoot territory here as he says half the guys didn't show up, so that's why he booked this match. <laughs> what a wonderful... Oh, man, I am staying tuned to the Superstation for this match. Prince Iakea does a Stone Cold Dez press and punches to Berlin. Kevin Nash mentions that he is in negotiations for a TBS show. He calls it 
the big shizzo. Because Kevin Nash, always keeping it thuggy in the late 90s. Prince IK hits a Samoan drop, but then he tries a springboard, which is caught into a power slam by Berlin. That Berlin breaks up. He breaks up his own cover. He snaps suplexes Iakea and then breaks up his cover again. The bodyguard at this time, before he was known as the wall, hits a right hand and Berlin hits his neck breaker, his signature move for the win. And then he puts his sunglasses on to look like Cypher from The Matrix. I think that was the look that he was going for. A Ming sizzle reel plays after the break. That's right. A Ming sizzle reel as he's coming back from an injury. It's complete with a Wilhelm scream or is it Wilhelm scream? Whatever it is, you know the scream I'm talking about. Luther Biggs is out next with the coach. Two characters I have no memory of whatsoever. Luther Biggs is taking on the aforementioned Ming Tongan death grip and Luther Biggs goes down for the count. Nash just shits on Luther Biggs for being fat. Then the coach gets a Tongan death grip. This is not Jonathan Coachman. This is Luther Biggs coach. I don't know. Nobody gets beat after a sweet package like that, Nash adds. So, hey, once again, shooting, brother. Once you get a... Highlight reel package played. If you're in the next match, there's no way you're losing. Perry Saturn of the Revolution is out next. He's taking on maskless Rey Mysterio in his camo gear and a toque, which he takes off to reveal dyed blonde hair. A great look for Rey Mysterio in 1999. Bronco Buster to Saturn. Split-legged Moonsault gets a near fall. Tope Conhilo out to Saturn on the floor. He gets hit with a T-bone suplex when they get back into the ring. Larry says, I give up during this match. Larry said very little tonight and I think was ready to go home. Dragon suplex to Ray who lands on his neck. Ray then tries to top rope her. and Rana gets power bombed, super bombed by Saturn. Ray uses a head scissors and pins Saturn who immediately gets all his heat back by nailing Ray and the ref. He pulls out a chain, which is Shane Douglas's current move, as he's known as Chain Douglas, or wants to be known as Chain Douglas anyway, and assaults Ray and referee Johnny Boone in honor of his good friend Shane Douglas. He hits an old glory elbow drop off the top, as Nash calls it, and then puts Ray into the rings of Saturn. No filthy animals to save Ray, no members of the revolution to help. Saturn, whatever. Tanay plugs the main event and Nash calls Laparka Skeleton Man. Dogface Gremlin teaming up with Lex Luger for this main event. Buff Bagwell comes out with Laparka and Laparka takes his skeleton mask off to reveal another skeleton mask. Nash loves this. That is, see, Lex ran. Lex ran when he saw the skeleton. I think you're onto something. Lex, my heavens, you and a skeleton. I am Skeleton Man. Oh, he took off a skeleton and is still a skeleton. Or as my son would say, a Kekiton. They brawl around the ring and the camera can't keep up. Slick Johnson just lets it go. Who cares? Steiner barely back body drops LaParka. Rick Steiner throws a chair at LaParka and Larry asks if he's still Rick Steiner or the total Steiner. See, complaining about calling Luger the total package. I think there was a slight Goldberg chant, but I don't 
remember, and I think it fades pretty quickly. Nash calls every move the old glory something. Bagwell gets the hot tag, runs wild, wants the blockbuster, but Laparka gets in the ring with the chair, and Bagwell, despite fighting alongside Laparka this entire time, decides to try a blockbuster on Laparka. He botches it, and then he just leaves. And the show goes off the air. Wow. What a great final night at the booking table by Kevin Nash and an even better night on commentary. Just a phenomenal episode. It's one of like the four Thunder highlights I can recommend because it's just so strange. Everyone talks about when they hit the lottery, what they'll do. Will they keep their job? Will they quit? What will they do? This is what Nash decided to do. He decided to go to work and be an asshole. And I think that's what a lot of people would do. So there you have it for this week. Just a quick recap of a terrible episode of Thunder. I hope it was something. Uh, We hope to be back very soon with a traditional episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. But who knows at this rate. I hope once again... It's sooner rather than later, but if not, I'll be back next week maybe with another Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra, and you can always listen to our old episodes by going to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. That'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. Stay well. Uh, Take me behind the scenes in a uh, WCW booking session. I was surprised to hear from uh, Glenn that they weren't held in CNN Tower or turned. They were in... uh, was it a, a building in the woods somewhere? Where was this log, other building? Log was... cabin fucking drive. Right. Horrible. Right. Um, does someone run the meetings, or is it free form where someone can throw a hand up and say, I got some stuff? Well, the, the biggest problem you had, can we use the board? Yeah, well, we're actually we're going to when we do the booking. You want it now? Well, I mean, because I can just set it right here and just yeah. diagram this. Let's get that over here. Because this this was this is what people never understood about about the the process. Marker. I need a marker. So, does that does this come up okay? Yeah, that'll come up. All right. So, so now you come in and. So, first thing you got to do is you got to come in and you got to do Monday's show. So, we got Monday, we got Nitro, Nitro, three hours. Okay? So, after that, on Tuesday, we're going to do Thunder. So, we got to do two hours. Well, Thunder's taped. Mm Mm-hmm. So in order to do Thunder, you have to write this three-hour nitro. Oh, right. So that Thunder makes sense. So now you're writing... Right. Ten hours, of, ten hours of TV. Writing ten hours of TV to make that situation work, which was fucking... Br- I mean, that show should have... Not- 
And Eric will say that was one of the biggest pain. Going to three hours was horrifying. <laughs> this was horrifying. If it would have stayed that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about guest booking. Right. Because it wouldn't have fucked. Right. <laughs> you know? But these, these, I mean, that was... And then you get to here, and a guy gets, because it's taped here, gets hurt. Then this all changes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it just and it goes on and on and on. Then you got guys with creative control that at seven o'clock on this day just say, it "Doesn't work, work for me. Doesn't work for me, brother." <laughs> <laughs> it's not a task I would have wanted. No. Uh, but um, it was like it was like running drugs, you know. But as far as the room, yeah. Um, is there kind of who's running the show? Who I sat at the end. Okay. I think Dusty sat at the other end, but it was all you, you sat wherever you wanted to. It was no, I didn't ever feel that there was a hierarchy. I might have started the, you know, what do we got? Because I would always like make notes of things that I thought had worked from the previous show. Mm -hmm. I really didn't give a fuck about Thunder. Oh, just because we weren't going head to head with anything on those on those shows, I was right. just more worried about, you know, trying to, you know, fill three hours. And we and we had like a, a period also when I first took over, we had like I used to call them like our twelve main guys. We had like seven of those guys down. Now, Scott was gone. They they got rid of Scott. Right. Um, I think Book was down, Luger was down. At one point, like I had, like Flair was like my, like, you know, when we made him, put him in the insane asylum, like he was like the only guy that I had that could actually go out and play a character. Like, mm. you know, like give me TV time, mm. give me a storyline. But you still need to come up with 10 hours. 10 hours. So, I mean, I, and I'm not saying that, it, that, I mean, maybe somebody else could have done a better job. I just thought it was a really, you know, it's almost saying, you know what? We got the Patriots next week, and we got six guys. Let's <laughs> give them hell. Um, was it tough to be one of the boys and still be in the creative meetings? No, nah, because when it comes down, to make three guys like you anyway. <laughs> you know, it just... Did you feel that way? Yeah. I, I never give. My whole thing in life is if you don't like me, fuck you. I don't like you either, then.